Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's say that again. Praise the Lord, everyone. I, I, know, it, I know it's cold. It's cold out here, and we're freezing, but uh, I'll just be honest with you. This is not really cold. We just live in Florida, and we are wimps, and I will own that. Yeah, it's good to see Jeanette here, had surgery last week, and is in the house of God this week. Amen? I love that. I was watching a, uh, a comedian once, and he said he pulled up behind a, a guy that had a big sticker on the back of his window that said, no fear. You ever seen those? He said he thought he would try it out as an experiment, so he shoved his car out in the middle of the intersection. And the boy changed his mind. I, I, want, I want to speak to you this morning on fear not. Fear not. Not to fear. We're the church. We're talking about being the church, and there are, there are certain distinctive that help identify us as the church that Christ built. Not the church that man has built. Not the church that... that that uh, we think might happen, but the church that, that is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the, the church of the ecclesia, the called out, those that understand that, that their sins have been remitted, washed away by the blood of Christ, the church of the living God. There are distinctives that when you look at the church, you say, that is the church. And one of them that is pervasive, it's a pervasive characteristic of the church, is victory. Being victorious should prevail and be pervasive, uh, a pervasive characteristic in the church. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't got it yet. Maybe it's a little cold and we need to warm up a little bit. But here's Paul and he's going through this great, uh, his, his, his letter and he's writing to the church in Corinth and he finally gets down to this point. He says, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter where you find yourself or the circumstances that you're facing. You can have confidence that you have victory through Jesus Christ. Not through your own efforts, not through your own ingenuity, not through your own uh, uh, resources, but through Christ. What Christ does, what Christ delivers, what Christ gives us, we can rest assured, we can stand upon the foundation that though the world may fall apart and though everything around us may fall, we are going to remain secure because we are upon that rock that will never move. We are the church of the living God. And you have victory in Him. You're going to get it sooner or later. You're going to, it's going to get you. You're going to, and the, the number, there is, a, there is an enemy to victory. For everything that we, that we go through, there is an enemy. And the number one enemy to being victorious is fear. Do you realize that Scripture tells us to fear not? 
67 times and to not have fear another eight times. That's 75 times in the scripture the Bible tells us, Jesus speaks to us and says, don't fear. That's a lot of times, isn't it? I wonder why. Could it be that we struggle with having fear? Could it be that each and every one of us have that, that capacity to have fear? Fear, we've said it, it, it's, it's false evidence that appears real or it's having faith in the wrong thing. Fear. We can have fear. Fear is the greatest adversary that we will face in our life. William Wrigley, the, the chewing gum uh, king, said, A man's doubts and fears are his worst enemies. If you read his life story, you'll find that he took great risks. By, by the way, uh, fear or, or being courageous is not the absence of fear. Being courageous and having faith is taking that step and saying, I'm going to overcome my fear. When the scripture tells us to fear not, we get the word phobia from that. It, it, it simply means this, that, that it's that fear that will grip you, that will freeze you in your tracks. That it's, not, it's not being having that thought that I wonder what's going to happen. It's having that thought and say, I trust in God more than I trust in this. I trust in what God says more than what I trust my mind saying. I trust in what God says more than what my feelings say. I trust in God. I trust in his word. Fear is our number one enemy. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. They said, the fear of man brings a snare. It is, that's not fearing man, but the fears that we have that lets us know that, number one, all of us have fears. Do we not? But he said, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. If you overcome your fears, if you overcome those things that you think might happen and you trust in the Lord, you will be exalted. This is what Jesus said to, to his disciples. He said, and he says this to us. He said, peace, I live with you or leave with you. My peace, I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. So do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. That peace that Christ is talking about is not, it's not just a, a, an absence of every other emotion and, and that when you're walking through life and you're thinking, oh, everything is great. It's, a, it's an understanding within your being. It's that you know that you know that you know that in spite of what you may be feeling at the moment, God is in charge. God is going to work things out. And you know that your confidence in Christ is stronger than your confidence in yourself and anything else in this world. I, I will promise you this, if you put your faith and hope and confidence in Christ, nothing, I mean nothing, will be able to move you. This is what the book of Revelation says in Revelation 21, 7, 8. 
He's talking about those that are, that are going into the lake of fire. And he says, he who overcomes, he who overcomes. Don't you love that? Overcomer. What is that? He who, he who gets beyond his fears and, and, and is victorious. He who overcomes will inherit all things. Will inherit all things. Well, well you, ever, you ever seen somebody that, that inherits their, their estate from their parents or their grandparents or great-grandparents? You know, and you say, well, man, they're doing great. What are we going to inherit? Who's your heavenly father? We will inherit all things. He said, and I will be his God and he will be my, my son or my daughter. But, but for the fearful and unbelieving, and it goes on to list everything else. But it, it, it's always amazed me that, that those, that, that, that parade of people that are not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven, but are, that are going to go in to the lake of fire, the very first one leading the parade is the fearful. The fearful, the cowardly, the fearful. Those that, that, that I said it was, uh, is that word phobia. That's where we get it from. It's, it's to terrify. It's to frighten. It's to freeze you in your tracks. Those who know what is right, but, but are afraid to act on it. Oh, I, I would be a Christian, but I don't know what people would say. Isn't it amazing that the scripture says that the ones that, that understand it, but they're just too afraid to step out. They're too afraid to do anything. They're the ones that are going to be the first into the lake of fire. In, in, the, in the scripture, uh, there's a, a great story in Mark chapter 6. And, and uh, Pastor Sam spoke on this passage in Matthew 14. And, and it's about Jesus walking on the water. But it's interesting that in the book of Mark, there's some things that are completely different in the story. And it's not that they contradict, it's just a different perspective. The book of Mark was actually more than likely written by Mark for the apostle Peter. So when you're reading the book of Mark, you're reading... Peter's perspective of what happened. You're reading in Matthew, you're reading Matthew's perspective of what happened. And, and neither one of them are wrong. It's just the focus, the perspective. Kind of like if you go out and you look at that car and somebody says, wow, that is a great looking, beautiful blue car. Somebody else says, man, I love that. It's a Ford. Somebody else says, did you see the engine in that? All talking about the same thing. But it's what attracted them. And, and, and in Mark, the story is really interesting. Mark's story is different. And it's based on and focused on overcoming fear. In, in, the, book of, in the book of Mark, in chapter 6, and I want to encourage you to read that. And we're going to get to this passage that's on the screen in just a second. You can leave that there. The book of Mark says that, that Jesus was going to pass them by. 
Jesus had just fed 5,000 plus women and children with five loaves and two fish. That is an amazing feat. And, and if you remember the story, the disciples came to Jesus and said, this, this, this crowd, they're, they're starving to death. They're hungry. And, and, and I think that they're going to be hangry uh, in a moment. And, and I don't want them to be hangry. I don't want them to be upset with us. So we need to feed them. And, and Jesus said, you feed them. And the disciples looked bewildered. And Jesus says, so what do you have? And so they went and found out and said, all we have is five loaves. And they're not talking like big sunbeam loaves of bread. They're talking little loaves and two little fish. And Jesus took what they had. Keep that in mind for, for later on. They took what the disciples had and Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children. And then Jesus tells the disciples, hey, get in that boat and go to the other side. Now, these guys are fishermen. At least four of them, I know, are fishermen. They are used to rowing a boat. And they get in the boat, and they go off. Keep in mind that Jesus put them in the boat, and Jesus sent off the, the uh, crowd, and the Bible says that Jesus is praying and, and as he's praying, he sees them out there in the water struggling against the wind. And here's something that's, that's really interesting in the book of Mark. Scripture says in Mark that Jesus was going to pass by them. Peter's recollection, uh, recollection was that, that Jesus was not there to save them in their circumstance. You got to catch this. Christ saw them toiling, but he also understood it was Jesus that sent them on the mission, and it was Jesus that constrained them to get into the boat, and it was Jesus that gave them the, the directions to go to the other side. And the scripture says Jesus saw them struggling, even though he had sent them there, and Jesus was going to walk right by them. You don't get it yet, do you? Jesus sent them. Jesus knew they were struggling. Jesus knew they could handle it because he already had equipped them to do what he had asked them to do. Jesus will never ask you to do anything that he has not already planned to give you the victory for. And the only reason Jesus... Uh, got in the boat with them was because they thought he was a spirit and cried out and he came in to comfort them and gave them security. Jesus was, saw them before, when they left. He saw them in the middle, was in the middle with them and he was going to meet them on the other side. It wasn't that Jesus left them alone. It was just that Jesus didn't feel it was important at that moment to actually show himself to them in the middle of their storm. Peter says, Jesus was going to pass us by, but we were full of fear and he got in the boat with us. Isn't that amazing? 
Let me, let me let you know that God has called us. God has called you to proclaim his message. God gives us a, a to, wants us to live a life that's worthy of the calling. And Jesus never said it was going to be easy. Jesus never called you to a life uh, uh, of uh, leisure in serving him. In fact, uh, if you look in the scripture, you will find that there are many times, most of the time, people that, that follow Christ are going to suffer some persecution. So if you're listening to voices in the, in the Christian realm that are telling you that, that Christianity is a bed of roses, you need to find another voice that will actually tell you the truth. But here's the good news. What God has called you to, he, will, he has already equipped you to accomplish. The apostle Paul said this in Philippians 4:13, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. And sometimes we look at that and we say, "Oh, we can do everything that that in the world because Christ gives me strength." But you've got to read the preceding verses where Paul said, "I, I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have a little. I know what it's like to be full. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like to be shipwrecked. I know what it's like uh, to to have everything and to have nothing." And he says, "I can do anything and everything through Christ because I know that he if he has called me to to a task then he has already strengthened me to finish that task can you imagine when when here's Paul and they're in the ship and, and they're getting ready to be shipwrecked and and by the Bible says that Paul is praying and an angel comes to him and says uh, let everybody know to have peace because everybody's going to make it to shore but God didn't pick up the boat and bring it to shore the boat fell apart the ship crashed and everybody had to swim but everybody made it it's not always easy but it's always victorious if you don't give up here's something else that's really amazing this is keep in mind this is Peter's recollection of the story it never mentions one time Peter walking on the water if that would have been me, I would have led the story with, look what I did. And yet, Peter doesn't mention him walking on the water. The scripture in Matthew 14, Jesus, Jesus comes, is walking on the water. He says, you know, he said, uh, be of good cheer, do not fear. And Peter says, if it's really you, Lord, let me come out. Let me, let me throw my legs over the boat. Let's go, man. And, it was, and he said, well, come on. And Peter got out and was walking on top of water. Isn't that amazing? And yet, when Peter's telling the story, he doesn't mention it. You know why? Because walking on the water wasn't the point of the whole story. See, faith in Christ to do the supernatural wasn't the message. It was, it was secondary or tertiary, but it, the primary focus was not that Jesus can do the miraculous. We all know that Jesus does the miraculous. And how many times have we been in the middle of a storm and we cry out because we think that we're going to go under and Jesus gets in our boat and everything's okay. 
You ever have that happen to you? I have a permanent place in my boat for Jesus. He has gotten in my boat so many times. It is, it, I have it carved. Jesus was here. And yet, here, here's the truth about it. Every time that Jesus gets in my boat and he calms the winds and the waves, sooner or later, I'll go through another place where Jesus says, hey, get in the boat and go to the other side. And it's not until I reach the other side that I go to another lesson in life. See, Jesus will save you in your fear. But Peter was saying, it's not that I walked on water, and it's not that Jesus got in the boat. That's not the message. The real message is this. He said, then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. It stopped. How cool is it that the one that we serve is the master of the winds and the waves? They were completely amazed, stunned, in awe, could not comprehend how amazing he is. And yet, the Bible says that they had not understood about the loaves. Peter is looking at it and said, guys, it, this story is not about Jesus walking on the water. It's not about him getting in the boat and calming the winds and the waves. It's not about me getting out and walking on the water. It's about the fact that we didn't understand the message of the loaves and fishes because our hearts were hardened. And it's interesting to say, when you look at that, that word hardened, it's a passive term. It simply means something hardened their heart. It wasn't that they hardened their heart. It wasn't that they said, oh, I, I think God's left us and we've forsaken and hardened their heart. Something else hardened their heart. Something else was added to them that caused their heart to be calloused so they could not have faith. And that, that, that agent that was placed in their heart was fear. They began to fear and fear hardened their heart so they could not understand and see the miraculous event that had just occurred. Can you imagine what it would have been like if they were in the middle of the waves and, and they remembered, you know what, Jesus uh, just fed all of those people with, with what we gave him. And I wonder what would have happened if they would have given that situation to the Lord. They would have made it to the other side, and then they saw Jesus already on the shore. Saying, what took you guys so long? And yet they never were able to understand because their hearts were hardened. Christ entered in because they hadn't learned the lesson. See, remembering past victories, remembering what Christ has done is one of the greatest tools. It's one of the greatest weapons you have against fear. If you can remember what Christ did yesterday for you, it will help you stand today and it will help you look for tomorrow. 
In, in 1 Samuel 21, the Bible says that here's David. David has been anointed king. David is, is, is trying to serve the Lord. He is serving the, the king, king Saul. And yet Saul knows he's been rejected. He knows that David is the anointed king. And Saul is trying to fight against God by taking out David, which God has said will be the next king. And the Bible says that David is on the run. Saul is trying to kill him. Jonathan warned him, and David took off without sword, without spear, without anything. And he's running for his life. Does that sound like the will of God in his life? And yet here he is, and he comes to the priest. Abiathar, and he, and, he, and, he, and he looked at him, and he says, do you have any weapons? Because I, I had to go so fast that, that I left everything. And he says, man, the only weapon I have is the sword of Goliath. And he says, that's all I have. And David says, that's all I need. I, I can see David. Can you imagine? That's the sword that he walked out and, and sometimes we think that, that David killed Goliath with a stone. No, he didn't. He just knocked him down. He took his own sword and cut off his head with his own sword. And the priest brings out that sword and it's wrapped in cloth. And I can see David unwinding that cloth and then holding that sword up into the sun. And as it reflects the sunlight, he's remembering Oh, God gave me victory over that giant. And you say, well, he was only nine foot six. And David was about five foot four. I wonder if David started thinking about Goliath and then he thought about that lion. Then he thought about that bear. And he started thinking about all the victories that God had provided for him. And in that moment, holding that sword, a trophy of his victory, faith arose. And when faith arose, fear was dispelled. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. I want to ask you a question. What mission are you on? Better than that, is the mission that you're on, is it from God? Because if God has put you on that mission, if God has put that in your heart, you will succeed because God does not fail. Can I ask you this? What emotions are you facing? What emotions are going through your, your heart and your mind that is keeping you from getting to the other side? Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in us shall perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. I have no doubt in my mind that Christ is going to continue to work in your life. 
But we all, all of us, face circumstances in our lives that, that require us to overcome our fear and to trust and have faith. And I, I wonder today is, is what, are, what you're facing and what, and what past victory can you look at? Can you hold in your hands? Oh, there's so many in my own life, and I know there's so many in yours that you could look back on and say, man, God has delivered me here. 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 And I know what I'm facing today. God's going to deliver me. I mean, as a church, I can't wait for this evening. I guess I have to wait, but, but man, there, we have some stories of, un, of God blessing us. And I want to share with you this evening. But when I really need the Lord, I always go back to, there's a scripture that says, perfect love casts out all fear. I go back to the time, all the way back to that altar that I surrendered my life to Christ. And when he embraced me with perfect love, and it gives me the strength to overcome fear, because it was at that moment I said, Lord, here I am. Here's everything I have. Here's my five loaves. Here's my two fish. There's times in our lives we just kind of have to go back to that. And I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. But I do know this. If you're facing a challenge and an obstacle in your life and fear is trying to rise up, and I know that we do that because we're human. And it's constantly, it's a constant battle in this life. And we constantly need to go back to say, Lord, here's my loaves. Here's my fish. Here's everything that I have. And when we give it to him, in the story of the loaves and fishes, it was really amazing. Jesus, Jesus took it. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it away. Friends, if you really want to overcome, if you really want to be victorious, it requires us to overcome fear. And the best way I know to overcome fear is to kneel at the cross and say, Lord, here I am. Here's my fears. Here's my anxiety. Here's, here's my strength. Here's everything I have. I give it to you and allow him to bless it you can walk away victorious. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. You can walk away victorious right now, today, by surrendering everything to Him. Would you pray with me?